0: The Lord be with you. And with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to John. Glory to you, O Lord. Jesus came to a town of Samaria called Sychar, near the plot of land that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there. Jesus, tired from his journey, sat down there at the well. It was about noon. A woman of Samaria came to draw water. Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. His disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, How can you, a Jew, ask me, a Samaritan woman, for a drink? For Jews use nothing in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered and said to her, If you knew the gift of God and who is saying to you, Give me a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. The woman said to him, Sir, you do not even have a bucket, and the cistern is deep. Where then can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the cistern to, and drank from it himself with his children and his flocks? Jesus answered and said to her, <laughs> Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again, but whoever drinks the water I shall give will never thirst. The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water willing up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I may not be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered and said to him, I do not have a husband. Jesus answered her, You were right in saying I do not have a husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I can see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshipped on this mountain, but you people say that the place to worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, "'Believe me, woman, the hour is coming "'when you will worship the Father "'neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. "'You people worship what you do not understand. "'We worship what we understand "'because salvation is from the Jews. "'But the hour is coming and is now here "'when true worshipers will worship the Father "'in spirit and truth. "'And indeed, the Father seeks such people to worship Him. "'God is spirit, and those who worship Him "'must worship in spirit and truth.'" The woman said to him, I know that the Messiah is coming, the one called the Christ. When he comes, he will tell us everything. Jesus said to her, I am he, the one speaking with you. At that moment, his disciples returned and and were amazed that he was talking with a woman. But still no one said, what are you looking for? Or why are you talking with her? The woman left her water jar and went into the town and said to the people, come, see a man who told me everything I have done. Could he possibly be the Christ? They went out of the town and came to him. Meanwhile, the disciples urged him, Rabbi, eat. But he said to them, I have food to eat of which you do not know. So the disciples said to one another, Could someone have brought him something to eat? Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of the one who sent me and to finish his work. Do you not say in four months the harvest will be here? I tell you, look up and see the fields are ripe. see the fields ripe for the harvest. The reaper is already receiving payment and gathering crops for eternal life so that the sower and reaper can rejoice together. For here the saying is verified that one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap what you have not worked for. Others have done the work and you are sharing the fruits of their work. Many of the Samaritans of that town began to believe in him because of the word of the woman who testified, he told me everything I have done. When the Samaritans came to him, they invited him to stay with them, and he stayed there two days. Many more began to believe in him because of his word, and they said to the woman, We no longer believe because of your word, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of the world. The Gospel of the Lord. Amen. Amen. I wonder if any of you coming here um, probably somewhat sleep-deprived because we lost an hour, um, are also somewhat surprised by the, the length of the gospel. And I, I'm tempted to say something to the effect of, and I, and I don't want it to fall on deaf ears, something to the effect of, especially for those of you who are following along in um, the Magnificat or, uh, or our hymnal, well, there's a short version too, but I, I, I want to say something like, of course we're going to read the longer form of the gospel reading, because um, I, can, uh, I can say that the shorter, the shorter version that we have leaves out any number of things that are really important for our understanding and for the unfolding of what's going on in the gospel. So, it's easy enough for me to say that because I'm the priest, so obviously I'm supposed to like what's in the gospel, but... This is good news before us. This is the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so every word of it is important for us. And even though, uh, especially with the length of the gospel, there's even, even try as I might, I cannot say everything that there is to say about this gospel passage. And so I want to say as uh, just a preliminary, it's important for all of you, well, for me as well, to take the time to not only hear the gospel today, but to take the time after you go home and also through the week to read through this entire bit of John chapter 4 and to hear and see where Jesus is trying to speak to you in the depths of your heart. Because that, that is the whole purpose of the gospel. The gospel is the good news that brings salvation to the very depths of our hearts, and so if we're if we're just coming here and hearing the words and 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 there's nothing in us that's changed then we're missing the point we have we've lost we've already lost because this story saint john in his wisdom has dis, has decided to tell us this story as opposed to any other he's he's telling us this story so that we might come to encounter jesus that we might come to encounter Jesus in the same way that the Samaritan woman encounters Jesus in the gospel passage today. And so long as it is, this helps us to understand something of the, of the dynamic of the gospel, that it's not simply when, we, when we're faced with these gospel passages, they're not simply separated moral lessons as if Jesus is just coming and teaching us uh, teaching us a bunch of different things to do, but rather in and through his person, he's giving us the good news that God is king. And so he's showing us what that means in practice. And so it's important for us to encounter the story as a, as a whole. The, with Whether it's the gospel or any other part of scripture, every bit of it is tapping into the overarching story of the fact that we have been created out of abundant love by God, and that even when humanity in our, uh, in our folly, rebelled against God. He didn't abandon us. Rather, he enters into the story himself through Jesus of Nazareth. And every bit of the scripture, whether it's the Old Testament, the New Testament, but especially the Gospels, they're tapping into the story. And so it's important to, uh, to realize, especially in a passage where it's a little bit more obvious, that this is the story that's being told. And so we should rather, instead of perhaps uh, rolling our eyes or uh, sighing when we see, oh, well, it's a really long gospel. We should enjoy the fact that we are getting something of the larger narrative. We are being able to experience the good news of salvation. But then as we enter into the passage, it's important for us to understand some of the context because St. John is giving us a really actually vibrant story. And for us... Living in our modern world, perhaps it falls flat because we, we don't necessarily understand everything that he's saying. So he gives us, even gives us some details that perhaps we're like, come on, why are you telling us this? Why is this important to the story? Just get, just get to the point. For example, it was about noon. Why is St. John telling us this? He's telling us this because that's telling us that the woman is there at a time when we wouldn't expect her to be. Everybody, especially because this well is far from, is far from the town, it requires a journey. So when are you going to do uh, your physical labor? Are you going to want to do it in the heat of the day? Or are you going to want to do it when it's cooler? You would do it in the morning, before the, sun, the heat of the sun has, uh, has warmed up the, the land, or you would do it at the end when the heat starts to dissipate. But of course this woman is going at a different time. Because, why? because she wants to avoid the crowds. And we find out later in the passage perhaps why that is. And on top of that, Jesus enters into it. He, he sits down and he talks to this woman. He's alone with her. And, he, and at, as then, so today, there are any number of rumors that could come up if he were sitting alone with a woman. And this is why the disciples are confused as to why he's sitting there talking to her. They don't understand why he wouldn't want to avoid the scandal. And above all, this is a Samaritan woman. These people are the, these people, and this is, we get some of this in the exchange. You people, you others, they are the enemies of the Jews. They are the ones who the Jews would consider are partially ruining the inheritance of Israel. So there are these three things going against her, and yet and yet, Jesus enters into conversation with her. Why is that? It's precisely because Jesus, in and through his life, is bringing the good news of God's kingdom, his kingdom, which means restoration and peace, and living in the love of God is coming to bear. And he's not going to be stopped by any number of things. He's going to enter into any number of situations that could, in fact, cost him. And this is not something to say that we look at the situation, well, okay, well, everything turned out all right, so it really didn't cost Jesus anything. No, Jesus entered into the situation because he was willing to bear the burden. He was willing to bear the burden. He was willing to love this particular person recklessly to absorb the cost of being loving to this person who is an outcast, who is uh, who is not, who's really in some ways untouchable, and yet Jesus doesn't shy away from that. And this is instructive for us as we enter into reflection on the gospel passage to realize so to us. Because we can be tempted as we we come here Sunday after Sunday to think, okay, well, I go to church. I'm good. I'm, I'm doing well. No, you are here because Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God, has called you by name. But what do we say in the penitential act outside of Lent? We say you have come you came to call sinners. You have received the call of Christ Jesus because you are a sinner, because you are at the very depth, you and I, we have gone astray. And we see that Jesus has absorbed the cost of loving us. And this is what we hear about in the second reading. It's it's easy enough. Well, it's not, rather, it's difficult to find somebody who will give up their life even for somebody who is good, but for somebody who is bad? That's unheard of, except Jesus does it, and this is the great and costly love that we have received in Christ Jesus. Okay, so this is all. I know you're wondering because I haven't really talked too much about the gospel passage yet. We're still going here. There's still still more to talk about, and I as much as, I, as I've said already, I promise you I cannot say everything about this gospel passage, so I do encourage you, please, spend time with this gospel passage. See where Jesus is talking to you. See where he's trying to transform your heart. But, of course, the exchange that we have between Jesus and the Samaritan woman, there's something that's lighthearted about it. There's, there's something of uh, almost a sense of banter that's going on. As, uh, as Jesus says, give me a drink. And we can see almost the, the Samaritan woman missing the point. We, we can see, living 2,000 years after Jesus, that Jesus is talking about something a little bit different when he talks about living water. But, of course, the woman is, is, doesn't quite understand it first, and we can think, oh, well, what do you think living water means? It has to have some sort of spiritual meaning. But for somebody of the day, it really simply means running water. Living water is running water. And so she's slow to understand, not because she's dull, but because uh, Jesus is being a little bit playful here. And he's helping the woman to come into the reality that he has an offer, the reality of God's good news, of God's saving love. He's bringing that to bear, and she's slow to understand. So when he says... The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. She's still thinking of water. Get me a cup of water so that I can have this and I don't have to come back here in the heat of the day. And so Jesus shifts the subject. He says, go call your husband. And she says, I have no husband. And this is where Jesus just cuts right to the heart of the matter says, you're right, you have no, you, you're have you. you right in saying you have no husband, you have had five, and the one that you're living with right now is not your husband. And this is where we get some sense of why she might be trying to avoid the rest of the crowd. Because if she comes with the rest of the, the people that she lives with, they're going to, day after day, they're going to come and sneer at her and mock her and uh, and cast her out. And so it's better for her to rather avoid everybody else, avoid community, avoid living in relationship with people because who wants to go through that? And this is very uncomfortable. Jesus is, ma- is entering into this space that's really, really uncomfortable for her. And so what does she do? She changes the subject. Sir, I can see you're a prophet. Let's talk about religion. Let's not talk about how bad I am. Let's talk about religion. And Jesus humors her. And so they talk, and Jesus has a a number of poignant lines there as well. But when he gets to the point that even the Samaritans, even the enemies of the Jews, are waiting for God's anointed king, and Jesus says to her, I am that king. I am the one that you have been waiting for, that you have been looking for. It's at this point that the woman, the woman who previously had avoided all of her, uh, all of the people that she had lived with, she instead goes. So the thing that had previously been something uh, as a point of shame for her, she goes. She goes running into the city to all the people that she had been avoiding, and she says, "Please come." See, a man who has told me everything that I have done. This is a radical reversal. This woman who, perhaps this is over the course of simply an hour, there's something that is radically new at work in her life that she is going and announcing without shame that I have met this person that knows my heart and so I do not have to be ashamed. I can actually come and proclaim to you that this is the one that we are all looking for. And this is where we start to get something of the sense of what Jesus is talking about when he says, the water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Because we in our post-Easter reflection, and this is, it's, some, it's, it's helpful for us uh pretty deep into Lent, and if we've had a difficult Lent, to have this, this talk of living water because it's a very Easter reflection. It, it reminds us of the coming of the Holy Spirit at, at Pentecost. This is for us in our Christian reflection, but this is, this is the woman. She's starting to understand what this, this water that, she, that Jesus is talking about. It's nothing other than the Holy Spirit, The love of God that has been poured into our hearts, that has been given to us. This is what St. Paul is talking about in the second reading. The love of God has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. And this, this is the living water that Jesus is talking about. The love of God. Because God as the creator, the one who has out of abundant love has created all all, all that is, all that we see, he also created our hearts, and he knows what our hearts are longing for and there, and what our hearts are longing for is nothing other than to be loved than to be loved by the by the love of God, the love of God that does not fail us and the woman has found this we get perhaps we get some sense as we read through the gospel passages that perhaps one of the reasons that she has had such a tumultuous personal life, and we don't, we don't get a full insight in the way that St. John tells the story. We don't understand, well, perhaps through those five and six relationships, that there has been a lot of pain. There's been a lot of trauma. There's been a lot of, uh, there's been, there's been a lot of heartbreak. So that each time the relationship could have been more difficult and more difficult, and that she finds it difficult to... Uh, to find the love that she's looking for. Uh, there's a song, Looking for Love in All the Wrong Places. There's, we can see something of that going on. But then when she encounters Jesus, she finds what her heart has been longing for. One of the Psalms says, Of you my heart has spoken, seek his face. This is the longing of every human heart, and this woman has found it. Despite, despite her, her difficult life, because, my friends, we can see this and we see, uh, well, you do, you're right in saying you do not have a husband because you have had five and the one you were living with is not your husband. And we can look at this and say, oh, well, this woman is very sinful. That's not the center of this passage. The center of this passage is the love of God that is bringing transformation to the world, one human heart at a time. If we, if we miss that point then we're likely to misunderstand the passage as well. But the love of God that's on offer through Christ Jesus, this is what's bringing transformation. This is the living water that the woman has has found. And it's not enough. It is not enough simply to take a drink of that water. Okay, I've received the love of God. I'm I'm going to bring it into myself. If we've truly experienced the love of God, then, as Jesus says... The water I shall give will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. If we've truly experienced the love of God on offer, the living water that Jesus is giving us, then it's not simply enough for us to enjoy that ourselves, but we bring that to everyone in our lives. Because if we've truly experienced the love of God, there is no other news that is worth sharing. There's nothing else worth talking about other than that we are loved and forgiven by God, even in the depths of our sinfulness, as as painfully as we experience our failures, this, this is the good news, that God loves us even there, even in the depths of our failures. And so we can see on display in the gospel passage, this woman outcast, separated from the community, is able to run heedless of any any thoughts that people could and insults that people could hurl at her. She's heedless of that because there's nothing else that's worth sharing with everybody, even the people that that despise us, that through Christ Jesus salvation the salvation that is god's love poured into our hearts is on offer to us even us even us as sinful as we are and this is what's offered to us by following Christ Jesus this is why jesus has called us this is why god has welcomed us into his family so that we can be beloved children of him, that experiencing his love, experiencing his profound and forgiving love, his costly love, we can bring transformation to the world, that we can take a drink and so that we can be that spring from which others can see the love of God at work in us. We have not truly experienced the love of God unless we're able to give witness to that in our lives. And so so it's ours as we make our way through Lent, engaging in the disciplines of prayer, fasting, and almsgiving, letting God transform our hearts, To experience God's love anew. This is, this is what it's all ordered to. If we're doing, if we're doing the things that we do in Lent for any other reason, then we're missing the point. Then we're missing the opportunity, the privilege of experiencing God's love more profoundly and bringing that love to everyone that we meet. And so this is why we, whose hearts are created for the love of God, putting God at the very center of our hearts. We come here week after week, not because of some obligation, but because we know that we've received something that is truly, truly inexplicable, other than that God loves us. And our only response, the only proper response of the human heart is to offer our hearts whole and entire here at this altar to our loving Father, the love that will never fail us, the love that will never leave us. And and turning our hearts and our lives over to God, we're able, through the sacrament of the Eucharist, to receive his love that nourishes us, that feeds us, that fills us with his life, with his body, with his blood, and being filled with his body and blood, no matter what comes our way, and indeed life is challenging, but no matter what comes our way, we know that that love is not going to fail us. The love that we have longed for, the love that our hearts speak to us and say to to us, seek his face, we found it in Christ Jesus. And because we found that love in Christ Jesus, There's nothing else in all the world that is going to separate us from that love. And we, filled with that love, that love that is the glory of God, we let that glory shine before us. And we, having experienced that love, can be the wellsprings of life eternal of the love of God for everyone in our lives.